Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everything's getting more expensive these days. Gas, rent, and even your music. While other music services keep jacking up their prices, Live One is letting you lock in the best music membership at the best price. Live One Plus is just $3.99 per month. Get all your favorite music ad-free, along with unlimited skips and maximum audio quality. Beat inflation with the best deal in music at just $3.99 per month. Visit liveone.com slash best music to get Live One Plus now. This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy, and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market, support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22, or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in-store and online at arnott's.ie. Dean Coral abducted, raped, and tortured at least 28 men before killing them and burying their bodies. He would lure young boys with candy that he got from his family's candy factory. This is how he became known as the Candy Man. This is Monsters. Dean Coral was born on December 24, 1939 to Arnold Coral and Mary Robinson. He had a younger brother named Stanley. Arnold would later admit that he didn't really like children and was a strict father. Arnold and Mary divorced in 1946. Arnold was eventually drafted into the United States Air Force and was stationed in Memphis, Tennessee. Mary followed an order for the boys to remain to have a relationship with their father. While in Memphis, Arnold and Mary got back together and ended up remarrying. They moved to Pasadena, Texas, a small town just outside of Houston. The second marriage only lasted about three years before Arnold and Mary were once again divorced. Mary then married a clock salesman named Jake West, and the couple had a daughter together named Joyce. When Dean was still in high school, Mary and Jake opened their own candy business called Pecan Prince. The teenage boy would operate the candy machines that were in the family garage. Dean and his brother would package pralines, divinity, and pecan candies after school. It wasn't long until the candy business was so successful that they moved from the garage to their own candy shop in Houston. After high school, Dean began living in an apartment over the candy shop and would give out candy to young boys in the area. This is how he became known as the Candy Man. He would also bring some of those boys back to the candy factory after hours, something that Jake was not thrilled with. Jake told Mary that he thought Dean might be gay and she insisted that he wasn't. Mary was very open about her disliking of homosexuality. 
She openly claimed that gay people were disgusting and said that Dean was a, quote, loyal, obedient, helpful, loving, and a good normal boy, end quote. This is probably why Dean kept his attraction to other males a secret. Mary divorced Jake and opened the Coral Candy Company. Dean was listed as the vice president of operations. Dean got drafted into the U.S. Army in 1964 and attended basic training at Fort Polk, Louisiana. He made it through training and ended up at Fort Hood, Texas as a radio repairman, but he had applied for a hardship waiver claiming that he had to help run the family business. He was eventually granted an honorable discharge less than a year after entering the military. When he returned to Houston, he openly told his friends that he was gay. It didn't seem to be too much of a problem with them at the time. One of the people that Dean lured into his life with candy was 12-year-old David Brooks. He regularly hung out with all the kids that congregated around the candy factory. David would eventually start looking up to Dean as a father figure. When David was 14 years old, Dean started offering him money and gifts in exchange for letting him perform oral sex on the boy. The business was doing all right, but after another marriage and divorce, Mary closed the business and moved to Dallas. Dean stayed in Houston and began working as an electrician at the Houston Lighting and Power Company. While living in his own apartment, Dean began surrounding himself with teenage boys. He would initially act as a big brother, but eventually his intentions became darker. Nobody knows what turned Dean Coral into a monster. He started out his life as a good student with a loving mother who ran a candy factory. He would regularly pay David for oral sex, but that was no longer enough. He wanted to have sex with the boys, whether they wanted it or not. On September 25, 1970, Dean saw an 18-year-old college student and offered him a ride home. Instead, Dean brought him back to his apartment, most likely with an offer of drugs or alcohol. Once there, the candy man tied him up and raped him before strangling him. He took the body to High Island Beach, where he covered the body with lime, wrapped it in plastic, and buried it. Not long after, David got a shock when he entered Dean's apartment and found him walking around naked. Then he saw two young boys strapped to homemade torture racks in his friend's bedroom. Dean was furious that David showed up unannounced and quickly kicked him out. He would go on to buy the young man's silence by gifting him a green 1969 Corvette. David would eventually tell police, quote, Dean jumped up and said, I'm just having some fun, and he promised me a car if I kept quiet. Later, he admitted he killed them and bought me a Corvette, end quote. Dean then offered him $200 anytime he lured a teen boy back to his residence. David would make good on that offer in December when he lured two friends of his, James Glass and Danny Yates, both 14 years old, to Dean's apartment. They were told that Dean was having an early birthday party, and Danny had met Dean previously. Both of the teenage boys ended up tied to the torture rack and sodomized. Dean strangled both boys and hid their bodies in a boat shed that he had rented. Dean's appetite for inflicting pain continued to rise. He was known to rip out pubic hairs with pliers, insert glass rods into the victim's urethra, and then break the glass while it was in their penis, and shove large rubber dildos into their anuses. Dean would eventually start castrating his victims while they were alive and burying their genitals next to their bodies. Throughout most of 1971, David Brooks and Dean Coral would continue to lure teenage boys back to Dean's residence, where he would rape and kill them. Brothers, 15-year-old Donald Waldrop and 13-year-old Jerry Waldrop, vanished on January 30th. 15-year-old Randall Harvey disappeared on March 9th, 
Then 16-year-old Gregory Winkle, who was the boyfriend of Randall's sister, went missing on May 29th. With Gregory, a 13-year-old boy named David Hillegeist also disappeared. On August 17th, 17-year-old Reuben Haney called his mother to let her know he was staying with his friend, David Brooks. He was never seen again. During his confession to the police, David claimed that sometime in the winter of 1971, he and Coral abducted two more teenage boys. They brought them back to the apartment that Dean had just moved into, and the boys were held there for about four days. Dean killed the boys and disposed of their bodies. Their identities have never been uncovered. It goes without saying that the parents of the missing boys would begin to search for their children. Many went to the police but didn't receive any help. The police assumed the missing boys were runaways and said that there was nothing that they could do. The parents were on their own. 15-year-old Elmer Wayne Henley, who went by Wayne, was one of David Hillegeist's best friends. He helped David's parents hang missing posters around the neighborhood. He would eventually meet David Brooks, who brought him back to Dean's apartment to be his next victim. However, Dean liked Wayne and thought he would make a good accomplice. He gave him the same offer he had previously given David, $200 for every young boy he lured back to the apartment. Dean told him that the boys would be sold to a sex slave ring. Wayne didn't take Dean up on his offer at first, but when his family fell on hard times, he gave in. At the beginning of 1972, Wayne lured a teenage boy to Dean's apartment and collected his $200. It's reported that neither Wayne nor David ever collected a $200 bounty outside of their first deliveries. It wasn't long before Wayne realized what was really going on, but he continued to assist the killer obtaining and disposing of victims. According to David's confession, Wayne even killed some of the boys himself. 1972 was an especially deadly year for young boys in the Houston Heights area. The trio would go on to abduct, rape, and murder at least 11 teenage boys that year. 18-year-old Willard Rusty Branch went missing on February 9th. It wasn't until his sister identified his body in 1985 that he was finally connected to Dean Coral. Rusty's father, a Houston police officer, would die of a heart attack while searching for his boy just weeks after his disappearance. 18-year-old Frank Aguirre disappeared on March 24th. On April 20th, 17-year-old Mark Scott was forced to write a letter to his family explaining that he had received a job in Austin before being strangled by the Candyman. 16-year-old Johnny DeLome and 17-year-old Billy Balsh, who was a former employee of the Coral Candy Company, went missing on May 21st. Billy was also forced to write a letter to his family explaining that he and Johnny had found jobs in Madisonville. 17-year-old Stephen Sickman went missing on July 19th. 19-year-old Roy Bunton never made it to work on August 21st. 14-year-old Wally Simonu and 13-year-old Richard Hembry were last seen on October 2nd. Wally managed to get a call into his mother before the call was cut off and the boys were never seen again. 19-year-old Richard Kepner disappeared on November 15th. The trio were burying bodies at three different locations the boat shed that was rented out by Dean, an area near Lake Sam Rayburn, and a beach on the Boulevard Peninsula. During that year, one boy, 19-year-old Billy Riddinger, was taken to Dean's house, strapped to the torture board, and raped. David told police that he managed to convince Dean to release Billy, and Dean agreed. The young man never went to police, and it's speculated that Billy may have been more involved with Dean than he made it seem, but nobody really knows. We'll be right back. Dean only had one victim at the beginning of 1973. 
On February 1st, he killed 17-year-old Joseph Lyles without the assistance of Wayne or David. Soon after, he was diagnosed with hydrocele. This is a condition where fluid builds up in the scrotum, causing swelling. It's thought that this may have slowed down Dean's appetite for killing. In March, he moved to his father's old house back in Pasadena, Texas. Dean had moved around a lot during the few years he was killing boys. He never wanted neighbors to get too suspicious, but the house in Pasadena gave him a new level of stability, and it's believed that Dean would have eventually built an entire torture room if he had lived longer. At the beginning of the year, Wayne moved and tried to enlist in the United States Navy, but was turned down due to not having completed high school. He wanted to get away from Dean, but he was afraid that the monster would go after his younger brothers, so he returned to Houston. Dean had already expressed interest in them, and Wayne couldn't let that happen. By June, Wayne was in town, Dean was healed, and the trio were back on the prowl. The group would abduct and kill two boys in June. 15-year-old Billy Lawrence called his father on June 4th and told him he was going fishing with some friends for a few days. Then, Billy's father got a postcard in the mail that read, quote, Dear Daddy, I have decided to go to Austin because I've got a good job offer. I am sorry that I decided to leave, but I just had to go. P.S. I will be back in late August. Hope you understand, but I had to go. Daddy, I hope you know I love you. Your son, Billy. End quote. The boy was forced to write the note by Dean before he was held in the house for three days, being raped and tortured. 20-year-old Raymond Blackburn was the oldest victim of Dean Coral. He vanished on June 15th while he was hitchhiking from Houston to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where he was going to see his newborn baby. Either Dean's lust for pain was growing, or he was trying to catch up for lost time while he was sick, because in July he killed five more boys. One of the boys was 15-year-old Michael Balsh, who was the younger brother of one of Dean's victims from the previous year. 15-year-old Homer Garcia went missing on July 7th. John Sellers was a 17-year-old boy who went missing on July 12th. Michael Balsh, brother of Billy Balsh, disappeared on July 19th. 18-year-old Marty Jones and 17-year-old Charles Cobble were picked up by one of the men and taken to Dean's house. Charles made a frantic phone call to his father on July 25th saying he had been kidnapped by drug dealers and that neither boy was ever seen again. In the middle of July, David Brooks married his pregnant fiance, and they moved to an apartment on the outside of Houston Heights. This left Wayne as Dean's sole accomplice, but Wayne was growing tired of his demanding partner. 13-year-old James Draymala was last seen riding his bike on August 3rd. He had planned to take his girlfriend to see a movie and wanted to cash in the bottles he had collected in order to pay for the date. He told his mother he wouldn't be gone long and rode his bike down the road. At some point, Dean pulled up to the boy in his van and told him he had a lot more bottles at his house that he could have. Once back at the house, the men offered to let him stay and hang out. He called home to ask if he could hang out at Dean's house, but his father said no and told him he had 20 minutes to get home. He never returned. On August 8, 1973, Wayne brought a couple of friends back to Dean's house just to hang out. 19-year-old Timothy Curley and 15-year-old Rhonda Williams were not intended to be targets. Wayne just wanted to hang out, drink some alcohol, and huff some paint. You know, like teenagers do. Dean did not see it that way. He was angry with Wayne for bringing a girl back to his house and told him that he had ruined everything. Then, the predator waited until they all passed out before tying them up in his bedroom. 
When Wayne woke up, he could feel Dean clamping the handcuffs onto his wrists. He begged Dean to calm down, but the man was incensed that a girl had been brought to his house. He promised Wayne that he was going to kill all three of them after he had his fun with Timothy. When he pulled out a gun and pressed it to Wayne's stomach, the teen boy had to think fast. He promised Dean that he would still help him kill and dispose of Timothy and Rhonda. Dean finally calmed down and agreed, freeing Wayne. At this point, Dean planned to rape Timothy and he told Wayne to rape Rhonda. Wayne didn't want to rape and kill his friends and he was frantically trying to figure out what to do. When Rhonda looked up at him and asked, quote, is this for real? End quote, Wayne answered yes. The girl said, quote, well, aren't you going to do something? End quote. This gave Wayne the push he needed. He grabbed the twenty-two revolver off of the bedroom dresser and pointed it at Dean. He yelled, quote, you've gone far enough, Dean, end quote. Dean stepped closer to Wayne and taunted him, quote, you won't do it, end quote. But he was obviously wrong. Wayne pulled the trigger and shot Dean in the head, but the bullet didn't penetrate his skull. Talk about hard-headed. Wayne pulled the trigger two more times, hitting Dean in the shoulder. The killer turned and ran out of the room, and Wayne unloaded the gun into Dean's back. The serial predator fell to the floor, completely naked, and didn't move. Wayne dialed 911 and told the operator, quote, Y'all better come here right now. I just killed a man. End quote. When an officer arrived, he found three teenagers sitting on the porch, a pistol in the driveway, and a dead man inside the house. Eighteen years ago, police were called to this house in a suburb of Houston on what they thought was a routine homicide. What they found was the bullet-ridden body of Dean Carl and a crying 17-year-old named Elmer Wayne Henley. Carl had been Henley's friend and mentor, and by killing him, Henley put an end to a two-year torture and serial killing spree. Mama. Who's this? It's Wayne. Yes, this is Mama, baby. Mama? Yeah. I killed Dean. Oh, God. The articles in the house itself, you know, the board with the handcuffs and the tools they'd used for the torture, I knew that was not a run-of-the-mill everyday shooting. Wayne was taken to the police station where he unloaded his entire story. He told them everything. He told them about the abductions, the torture board, and the burial locations. He told them as many names as he could remember of the victims, and when police checked, many of them were boys who were reported missing. Henley led the police through several killing fields where he and Carl had disposed of their victims. It started right here at this boat shed. Right over in that corner, there was a mound dirt that was just mounted up just a little bit. That's where the first body was. They wrapped all the bodies in plastic, so some of the bodies were still intact. Some of them, of course, had been there a couple of years, so they were just skeletal remains. We went up with 17 bodies out of there. The final body count, though, was 27. They were buried in several locations. These were the notes that I took in my office just prior to him giving the written confession. Johnny DeLone shot by Wayne, choke, choke, choke. Shot in the head by Wayne. The victims were all boys or young men. Henley confessed to killing six of them. Now this was his confession. I killed several of them myself with Dean's gun and helped him choke some others. I shot Charles in the head with Dean's pistol. Then Marty Jones, me and Dean, choked him and buried him in the boat stall. I remember how we killed him. But we buried him up at Dean's place. Now that's pretty bad when you kill so many you don't remember how you killed them. I shot and killed Johnny DeLong, 
We choked Mark Scott and Frank Aguirre. Last one I can remember, their name is Homer Garcia. And I shot him in the head and we buried him in Rayburn. Wayne went out to the locations with the police and helped them recover and identify as many of the victims as he could. Boys buried. Why were they buried here? And Dean Coral decided he wanted to have sex with them. Didn't want to let them go, so he killed them, brought them out here and buried them. Why here, Wayne? Carrying us around with you for a long time. I mean, didn't you almost crack several times? No. How come this time? This time? I just haven't felt like I was going to be able to hold my sanity much longer. What provoked you that night for you to decide to tell it all? I just think these, I owe these people this much to let them know what's happened to their boys. It was determined that Elmer Wayne Henley acted in self-defense in the killing of Dean Coral. He confessed to personally killing six of the victims himself. He was found guilty of six murders and sentenced to six concurrent terms of 99 years in prison. He is currently 65 years old. David Owen Brooks made a full confession, but he did try to minimize his own involvement in the killings, claiming that Dean and Wayne were the more active participants. He was found guilty of one count of murder and sentenced to life in prison. He died of COVID-19 on May 28, 2020. He was 65 years old. Not all of the bodies that were recovered from the various burial sites have been identified. The identity of one of them still remains unknown. The trio had 28 identified victims, but 42 boys went missing in the area at the time. It's unknown how many people Dean Coral may have killed before David Brooks became involved, or how many there were that David and Wayne simply didn't know about. We may never know. If you're the victim of domestic abuse, please reach out to someone for help. Please talk to your local battered women's shelter or call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or you can go to thehotline.org to chat with someone online. The great thing about this website is that, at any time, hitting the escape key twice will take you to a Google search page. That way, if your abuser is nearby, you won't get caught looking for help. If you're having feelings of harming yourself or someone else, or even just need someone to talk to, please contact your local mental health facility, call 911, or call Mental Health America, who operate the National Suicide Prevention Hotline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. They're available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and will talk to you about any mental health issue you might be facing. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can subscribe or follow the show to ensure you don't miss an episode, and you can leave us a rating on whatever podcast app you use. If you'd like to support the show, you can do that by checking out our merchandise at Teespring. You can also discuss the channel and the episodes on our subreddit, r forward slash thisismonsters. You can find more ways to support our show and how to find us on social media by visiting thisismonsters.com. Thanks again, and be safe. Life's full of things we can't depend on. Like the Irish weather, predictably unpredictable. When you're cutting it fine, but the tractor in front is out for the day. No winner of this week's you-know-what. So much for lucky seven. But some things you can depend on. Like in home heating. Emo, Jones Oil and Campus Oil are now Certa, Delivering the same warmth to your home now and into the future. For home heating you can depend on. 
See sirtaireland.ie. This Christmas, feel joy, gift joy and send them joy with the perfect gift at Arnott's. Explore an endless array of gifting that will bring joy to everyone on your list. Shop Irish at the Christmas market, support emerging new businesses with Pitch 22 or find something extra special from one of our world-class brands. Shop in-store and online at arnott's.ie.